Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Welcome back, everyone, to Heels in the Courtroom. This is Erica Slater. Liz Lenevy. Elizabeth McNulty. Amy Gunn. And today we are talking about the concepts of how we market and how we become rainmakers, which I hate that word, by the way. Why? I I think it, I don't know. It just like harkens to an old boys club for me. Like I'm going to work on rebranding that. I'll figure it out by the end of the episode. All right. We'll have it. That'll be the contest for the next however many minutes. Yeah. I would just like it on the record that I like the term rainmaking and I like that it's an old boys club because girl, get your umbrella. I'm going to take it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it an old girls thing. (laughs) Or a young young girls thing. thing. (laughs) Jinx. So marketing though, marketing, which turns into rainmaking, meaning you make your own money, which I am all about. And I think all women should be about um, Put strategies. it on your to-do list. Don't think for a second that your destiny and, and what you should be doing in any position that you have in a firm is not rainmaking. Make sure that that is something that you are thinking about all the time. Because I feel like a lot of women fall into kind of like a service Somebody, partner. Yeah, someone like, will take care of that part. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. be taking care of it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Long. Yeah. No, and that's a mentality I mean, shift maybe. that needs to happen. It, it could happen, but why would you want to leave one of the most important parts of why we work to someone else. Right. So Amy, what are your tips for marketing rainmaking having been very successful at it? Well, thank you. There are a couple of things that I think people need to do and then a couple of ideas that are just more broad. So let's start with what I think you need to do. You need to find a niche, not only in your practice area, but in In your marketing, I have picked different organizations over the years to join and lead. And in that process, you meet people. The kind of work that we do, of course, is our best sources of work and cases come from other lawyers that know us and know what we do. And I always believed and will always believe personal relationships are the key. So how do you get personal relationships? You have to get out and meet people and and work on projects with them, not legal projects, but even as simple as planning the next retreat in your organization together. These are things that people remember. And if you take a leadership role, it's you you have just greater access to the people in that organization. And I just think that that's a a good way to go. And it's not that taxing. Sure, it's time consuming, like everything we do, but it's, it can be fun. My time at the Women's Lawyer Association was very enjoyable. And I've always, I've always really loved the idea of walking into a room of other professional women who do what I do and do it well. I enjoy having that camaraderie. I enjoy this room for that reason. But if, the, if half the organization are lawyers that don't do what I do, that's just a wonderful opportunity to get to know them and to be a person that they know and trust to send a client to. And it's not a competitor of yours. Not the more a competitor. attorneys you know in other practice areas. Right. So join an organization, be a leader in that organization. A bigger overview is... You, you have to be known in 
the the legal community for something, whether it's a particular area of the law, whether it's you're the go-to for trying cases, you have to be known for that. You have to be top of mind. If someone has, I my goal has always been, if someone who's a family lawyer or a criminal defense attorney or an estate planner has a medical malpractice case, I want to be top of mind for that person. And again, it comes with personal relationships. It goes with trying these cases and having a reputation for trying cases, but also taking care of the clients. So you can't be afraid to tell people, this is the kind of work I do. It'd be great if you thought of me. Don't be afraid to ask. I'm terrible at that, by the way. I would prefer just to rely on the idea that people know I do this because I try these cases and they get written up occasionally. Or I have a little ad in the Missouri Lawyers Weekly and it says medical malpractice and people know me from that. So I I would prefer not to have to actually ask for anything. That's my personality. But, But you shouldn't be afraid to say, hey, I do that kind of work. Send it to me. I'll let you know. I'll let you know what I can do. So that's just the start. I think a a practical tip and just an overview, however you get to being the person in the field is what you should do. You know, that makes me think, Amy, when I was a young attorney and thinking about asking for work, I really had to figure out like my elevator speech. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important. And I, I was surprised that some attorneys weren't doing this, even at the first firm I started at, it's very important to understand what all of the attorneys in your firm do. All the different practice areas that your firm has, even if you know nothing about it, because there are plenty of things even that our firm does um, that I'm not really familiar with. But if that comes up, I can talk about that to an attorney who maybe has that type of case and bringing it into the firm, even if it's not a case I might handle, is really important as well for thinking about how you're asking for business. You just can't be, can't be afraid to sell yourself. And I think women have a little bit of trouble with that. I think we focus on doing a good job and being responsive. And, but as far as really getting out there and saying, send me your cases, Because again, it feels to me like I'm asking for a favor. I'm not. I'm saying I've spent 20 plus years doing this work. I'm I'm good at it. And you should send me your case because I will do a good job for you and your client. But it's just a mindset that you have to sort of work on. At least I've had to work on. Mm -hmm. So for example, another practical, I get emails very regularly from these folks I'm talking about, the, the lawyers in the community that don't do the type of work that we do, who are looking for a resource for their client. And I get random emails very regularly. And sometimes it takes a moment to read that email, and maybe it's a long fact pattern of the potential case, and you have to respond. You have to respond. You have to be quick about it. You have to be pleasant about it. Even if the response is, hey, thanks for thinking of me. I'm in try right now or I have, give me a week to get back to you. Because just like anything else, that phone rings, no one picks it up. Somebody else's phone is going to ring. So you have to respond in some way. And I can't tell you over the years how many times I've talked to people and they say, oh, I've, you know, I reached out to so-and-so and never heard back. And I'm like, 
what? Shocking. I can't, I can't get, <laughs> I don't understand that. I mean, yes, it's time consuming to stop what you're doing and respond to a, a unsolicited random email, but it's not that time consuming. Um, and it's just polite. I think it's really important too to think about referring attorneys, especially in our practice. In dealing with them, I almost think of it as like a customer service thing. It is. I want it to it be is. so we are easy. A service industry. Yeah, I want it to be so easy for you to refer a case to me. And if it's not a case that I'm going to take, and you have a personal relationship with that client, which they often do, I want to make sure that I make you look good in the way that we explain to your client why maybe this isn't a case or something something like that. So even if I know from the first second looking at that back pattern that I'm not going to take it. It's very important the way you handle that and keep in mind that that's part of building the relationship. Right, because at the end of the day, we all want that potential client to be educated in some way about whether they have a case or why they don't have a case. Because it all starts with someone having a problem that we need to solve. And the problem is not... always solved with taking the case and winning the case. Sometimes the problem is solved with just educating them with why they don't have a case. At least they know. And that's the, that, that would be the goal. And I think you guys are talking about marketing. I assume this is Mary Timmerman tuning in. Sarah's on a phone call. I think two things, and they might've already been said, so please cut me off if they have. We'll edit you out. Don't worry. (laughs) The first is don't ever say no, which is what you were just saying, Amy, just not a no period, no explanation. The other, the other piece of that. And I think at, at least for the most part, law firms in St. Louis and in the Missouri in general, and probably in the Midwest know that our, our firm does our due diligence in looking into cases. So not only do we not say no, but we repeatedly do a good job of investigating a case so that, you know, it's happened so many times to me, even in the last two and a half years where cases will find their way into our office from another firm who looked at it and they'll find out that that person came to us and we led them to someone else for whatever issues that we saw with their case. And they see that it came through our doors. And if we didn't take it, they call and say, what did you guys do when you investigated this? And we'll say, oh, well, we called three people about it. Or we talked to A, B, and C people. And these are the reasons why we couldn't pursue it. And it just, in a way, it, it helps with referrals and marketing just to know that the work that we're doing is worth picking That's up the right. phone and calling us. Because I'll have lawyers send me an email or call and say, here's the case. Here are the facts. I know you never take any of my cases, but I'm going to try to get you a good one one day. And that is, and the reason why that person is continuing to reach out to me is because I have responded sufficiently to say exactly, Mary, what you're saying, which is I've explained why it's not a case, not just I don't like this case, which is the easiest thing to do. I can read something and within, you know, five minutes of reading the fact pattern, know if this is a case that I usually, not always, know if this is a case that I really kind of want or don't want. And I could very easily just say, no, thanks. But I have not built that relationship. And that is something that is very short-sighted. It's easier, it's faster, it's more efficient, but it's very short-sighted. And you can't be. If you want to be good at the marketing part of this job, you cannot be short-sighted. And, and I tell you, John Simon is, I've learned a lot from him, of course, over the years. And 
I can remember early on being here when I'd be really mad about something, like some other lawyer just was crappy about something. And I'd want to say to that lawyer, go jump off a bridge. And like, that was not a respectful thing to do to me or my client or whatever it is. And I would have this conversation with John and he'd be like, oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Because he is long-term thinking. And I have grown in my reaction of saying, I don't need you to, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Maybe I do need need you. I'll make better choices. So it's a very much respond, don't react. But it is, we're playing the long game, ladies. We are playing the long game. And not everybody does. Mm -mm. Not everybody does. So here's a question for you, because this is something I have a concern about, is I'm I try really hard to be very respectful thinking long term. But I also always have a concern in the back of my mind. If I don't stand up for my client in some way, I'm going to look like I'm a a doormat. And that can't possibly be good for marketing because who would want to send a potential client to someone who's not going to to stand up for that client? And so how do you straddle the line between being, you know, an advocate for your client and being strong for your client and making sure your client is not being abused through this process, but also not telling someone to jump off a bridge or, as I like to say, eat dirt and die. (laughs) Maybe that's a wee bit aggressive. But, but, But what is the line? What is what? How do you handle that? So I think, Mary, maybe we were talking about this the other day, that we likened our profession and specifically litigators to like hockey players. Hmm. And you get in that game and you beat the crap out of each other and you put up your best fight and you're working as hard as you can. And then before you got to that game and after you got to that game, you leave in a suit and shake each other's hands. Right. And it's so true. Like it, it there is, I think that it is such a different strategy to take with being nasty to an opposing counsel and standing up for your client because and it's not a fine line there is a very important way to do each of those things and we all work with opposing counsel who are just nasty to be nasty but that's the and that's a reputation that they right you you Mm. don't lose really you can gain respect with responding to someone this goes back to another podcast respond, don't react. Right. I think you can really build relationships and gain respect from an opposing counsel by standing up for your client, by not being a doormat. And you, here's the thing, you weren't thinking in that moment, this guy might send me a case someday. That's not what you were thinking. You were just being you, a decent human being, and knowing that the best thing for your client at that time was to do what you did, which was and, not not engage. And yeah, and I thought that the most effective way, because we had just started depositions, yeah. and there was like five more scheduled within the next week. So I was thinking to make my life a little less hell over the next week, and, and that's short term, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I would rather get along with this person. But it, I think it's really important to remember, and, and we've all experienced in our practice, how opposing counsel and the way you work with them and the respect you show them and the advocacy that you show them that you have for your client is probably one of our best marketing tools mm-hmm. and and why a lot of our cases come from counsel that we work against. And I, I would say I agree. There, there's really something very unique to um, being adverse to someone in a lawsuit. And I'm talking about lawyer to lawyer and, and advocating for your client and fighting in the professional re- arena of law 
and getting that case resolved and doing it in a manner that your opponent respects you so much that that person has a client and has obligations to, and that person sends that client to you. I mean, there really is. I remember the first time that happened to me, and I it was kind of like you. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. I was like, really? But I, I, re- I thought about the bigger picture and what that meant, and it, it really was very impressive. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but it was impactful. It I was say. It made an impression on you. It made an impression on me. It was very impactful because I was actually quite proud of myself because I had handled myself in a way that I did a good job for my client and upheld the profession and the professional courtesies and did it in a way that my opponent respected me. And it also makes it fun. It's fun when, is it? when <laughs> I, think it's, I think it is, I think it's really fun to be able to turn it on and turn it off inside and outside I the program. You. you know, it's yeah. just, it's just fun. And I, Amy, you were talking about uh, however many years ago with my dad when he was like, oh, hold on a hold second. Up. You got to be up, really girl. nice about it. And I, I'm working with him on a couple of cases right now. And this other attorney had, I, I was definitely gearing up for a very heated uh, deposition because I knew at the end of the, I knew at some point before, during, or after the deposition, this one issue in the case was going to come up inevitably. I just knew because we were all in the same room, it was going to come up and I told my dad, I know, I know he's going to bring this up at the end of the deposition. And, and my dad's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really not worried about it. Just, it's okay. Just relax. And I'm like, okay, I, obviously he knows what he's doing. And so the deposition ended and the attorney was like, you know, I saw that you guys filed this and there's going to be all sorts of problems with this and went through this whole plethora of objections he was going to have to this recent filing that we filed and my and it was close to Thanksgiving I think it was last year and and my dad just looked and went oh my gosh relax uh we're not even there yet why don't you just have a good Thanksgiving spend some time with your family we'll regroup next time and um and we'll talk about it then okay and the other attorney was like Oh, okay. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, John. Happy Thanksgiving, Mary. And I was like, see you later. <laughs> and we left and I was like, wow, that that was just completely dodged. And my dad's like, it's just, you don't need to. No. There was no need no. for us to talk about it then. And I really like the guy and I, I want to keep liking the guy and get along with him. So that's sometimes in those moments, you just have to remember we actually do get along and we do like each other. So let's limit the amount of times that we need to be fighting with each other and and you know in another case that I was working on him with the same attorney referred us a case I think on a break in a deposition (laughs) and and since that time he's called me and said hey how's that case going and I'm like gosh this this profession is so weird but it is so fun and and I and I watch the attorneys who I not only the attorneys who I work with that I like to work with but at my own office, but also defense attorneys that I like to work with. It just makes me want to be the same type of attorney to them. It sets a goal for myself to say, I want to be one of those attorneys that they say, I really like working on cases with Mary. And so it really goes to this idea of marketing and it's about your reputation and everything that we're talking about here feeds into the idea that if you have a good, solid, competent, you're a decent human being reputation and that you're going to be top of mind and they know what you do and they know you're good at that. You're going to be top of mind. 
take a look at what your goals are. What are your goals? And it is multifaceted. And one of which is this idea of marketing. Because if you don't have cases to work on to gain that reputation, and you're just taking cases that other people in the office are giving you or that are just randomly coming in because someone saw our name, you know, on the internet, then it's just, it's not going to be as efficient. So you do have to have a targeted plan. And I think it's different for everybody because people, different people have different areas which they excel. We've had this discussion about extrovert and introvert. Can I switch gears for one second? If it's marketing. It is. It is still marketing. All right. So I was having lunch on Monday, part of my marketing, but I was having lunch with a friend who does defense work. So that is obviously a different outlook than how plaintiffs treat marketing, at least I think somewhat. And a complaint that she had voiced to me during this lunch as a defense attorney was that her firm does not count towards billables any marketing. And they don't really Short, too bad. It Short is. Sided. It too is. Bad. And Get she and I will I, I will credit this person who will remain nameless. She is working really hard to try to get her firm to approach marketing a different way and and to to award billable hours or some sort of hours credit towards associates who are willing to market. Um, She is very active in in multiple organizations, takes leadership roles, tries to do pro bono work. She's She's going to be phenomenal. Yes. And she's going to leave that firm and they're going to be be so sad. Like, what happened? But- but she is just one person and she's trying to change an entire culture of a firm. And I really didn't have any advice for her because my perspective was my firm pushes me to do that and they encourage me and they reward me when I do that. And so it's, it's such a different attitude than what she had. So so Amy and Erica, having come from much more extensive defense firm backgrounds than Mary Elizabeth or myself, you know, what what would your advice be to young associates, male or female? who are in obviously, you know, defense firms or larger um, organizations who are trying to get that marketing, who are trying to push their marketing, but aren't necessarily finding the support from their employers. So I experienced a similar thing to your friend with the caveat that we did get a limited amount of credit for the hours that we spent marketing or participating in organizations or whatever. Billable, billable. Yeah, exactly. But I will say that, and this is something that everybody has to evaluate on their own, but I have always been a joiner. But I went to a great high school who really encouraged from a very early time frame to be very well-rounded. So I think I've been a resume builder in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. since my tween years. (laughs) And so when I started practicing and got to a defense firm where, of course, your value is your human time billing. And, you know, they have higher level partners and higher level associates to handle their marketing. So yes, it's not their focus for you at a defense firm, especially in those first couple of years. And yes, that's short-sighted, but you don't have to take that direction. So it will take you more time if you need to get your billable hours in. And then you also are putting time in at a lunch meeting for an organization or something like that. But the important thing is to know that you are working at the beginning of your career, not just at the beginning of your time at the first firm you work at. And being a elder millennial that I am, all the young lawyers that come after me, we're not going to stay at firms for 30 years. You know, the first job that we have is likely not going to be 
the job we're going to be at in 10 years or our careers are going to change several times throughout our working years as well. So I think it's really important to be the type of lawyer that you want to be and get yourself out there early and not be restrained by your firm's goals for you or what your firm needs from you from a bottom line perspective. I couldn't agree more. I think if you are ambitious, one of my favorite words, not a dirty word, love that word. If you are ambitious, whether you're at a plaintiff's firm or defense firm, it's going to happen because you're going to will it to happen. So if you have a certain billable hour requirement, yet you are ambitious to do more than that, have your own have your own niche, have your own face, it's going to happen. And if it means having lunch with Liz on a Monday or going to the whatever meeting after hours, you're going to get it done. If your firm doesn't respect that, that's unfortunate. It's short-sighted. But you're going to know that pretty soon. And maybe you, what you're doing, if you keep doing what you're doing, join an organization, be a leader in that organization, pick up extra cases in a pro bono manner, Judge Moot Court, get out there, know people. So much of life is you're in the right place at the right time. Well, if you ain't there, you're not going to have that opportunity. You have to be there. You have to create opportunities for yourself. And what I, what I hear, Liz, from you with your friend is that she's going to be fine because oh, she's yeah. going to be fine. And if that firm doesn't respect what she's trying to do, then she'll find some place that does, and they'll be happy to have her. And they will it's just, you have profit to be from persistent her work. and consistent. Um, and Erica, as you were talking, I wrote consistent down because you just can't, you can't take your foot off the, off the gas. When we talk about networking and marketing and things like that, I think people who might be more introverted are kind of like, oh, no, please no. But I will say, I, most people identify me as an extrovert, but I will tell you, you're, see, my, most, my, like, I would think all, no. Erica, well, you are the most extroverted amongst us. Okay. That's why you well, do the intros, pretending. This is, uh, this is truth time. I have an introverted side that enjoys one-on-one time with people, and that fills my cup too. So I spend a lot of time, it kind of exhausts me to go to parties a little bit, even though I may fly around that room like the social butterfly I appear to be mm-hmm. and, and you truthfully are. am. <laughs> but, Flap those wings. <laughs> girl, <laughs> beautiful wings. Look, I'll go toe to toe to you with you in a room full of people for an hour or two, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to be just exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. See, and here's me over here thinking about walking around a room for an hour having to talk to people and I already like feel like the anxiety, like my back is starting to hurt. Because that yeah. but that but I think an important thing might be if you are very introverted, which I feel I'm very introverted. I took that what? Myers. I took that Myers Briggs what test were and you? they were like they like shot me over to the introvert oh, side as, as far as I, I think that. I could possibly go. Oh, oh yeah. It gives me severe, I have severe social anxiety, which is very stressful in a situation where I have to like make small talk or just talk to people without having something pre-planned. Look, you just have to ask them questions. Oh, I absolutely do. But I think another thing that that maybe we haven't brought up as much that that I think is a good strategy for people like me who are um, more on the introverted side is I like doing presentations. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's a way to get your name out there. Mm-hmm. And it's something you can plan, strategize. I can have Prepare an outline for ready to go. People get your see, PowerPoint. Yeah. People see my face. They see my name. They know my expertise. I look like I am an expert in some sort of field or something or other. But I don't actually have to talk to them individually. And what I was going to say, too, is uh, to kind of balance my extracurricular legal activities, I use my lunches a lot. Yeah. I meet people one-on-one for lunches to keep up with them. And I will tell you that within the past couple months, I had lunch. I try to like do lunch, especially with people who I know are generating business for me or referring me cases. I want to keep in touch with those people. I don't mm-hmm. want, I want to see them like a couple times a year, once a quarter maybe. And I had lunch with a guy on Tuesday. I hadn't seen him in a while. And by Friday, he had referred another yes. attorney with a case. And I've never gotten that quick of that's, feedback. See, and I like exactly ran right. around like, it happened. It Carve happened. out like, the time. Like have the exactly. lunch, have the coffee. I joke, I will have coffee or lunch with pretty much anybody. 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 Because it's in your I enjoy time. lunch. Yes. I enjoy lunch and coffee, and I like to eat, and I like to do that. But, but and it's and it's but but it's you know, like you've got one hour. Yep, you got one hour. It's not open ended. You're not. And it, it is it is a great way to get to actually know people. But Liz, I think you're right. That goes into the to do category. Never turn down an opportunity. So I, I mean, I have a condition. I I can't. I don't know how to say no. Like I can't say no. And there are times Confirmed. when I should have said no to that. Should have said no to that. But I cannot look at that at whatever request there is and not see it as an opportunity. I can't do it. It everything is an opportunity. An opportunity to shine. <laughs> to shine. And in any in one little way, I said that to somebody once and they laughed their head off. But anyway, that's what it is. And it doesn't, you don't, I, I think I've, what I've learned over the years is you're not, I'm not going to hit it out of the park every time I have lunch with somebody or every time I have coffee or do a presentation or teach a class or judge or whatever or show up at a meeting. I'm not going to have that. But if I'm not there, I don't have, I haven't created the opportunity for myself. We okay. have to do that. All right. So. Amy, you're all about creating opportunities. Erica, what is your, if you had one big piece of marketing advice, if, if, if I'm a, a brand new law student or I'm about to graduate, let's say I'm a 3L about to graduate, what would your one big piece of advice be for me to market and be successful in my career? I think that you should think about marketing from your first day of law school. And know that, especially if you go to law school in the city that you'd like to work, the most impressive thing that I've seen from law students, which is just terrific, is when I meet a young law student in whatever context that is, if I'm speaking to a class or um, we do this orientation lunch with a couple of the law schools here, I say to a group of sometimes a room of 50 people or a table of 10 people, I'd be happy to take you to lunch. I'd be happy to meet you for coffee. Please reach out. And one person each time takes me up on it, it seems. Once in a while, I get two. And those people are always, Yep, I know them. We're about to hire one as a law clerk. I mean, they are, they get it and they're doing it early. So I think if we're just talking about advice for a law student, that context or someone just coming out of law school, that context is so tough and overwhelming, but please, please, you can handle it. Put it on your to-do list. Don't ignore it. 
carve out time to spend meeting people for lunch, making connections, and you won't regret it because those are the people who you're going to get your first jobs from or those are the people that you've made connections with who are going to help bridge to your second job. Just think about, you know, it's a long career and people need to get to know you early and often. I agree. It's it played the long game and be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talent and be generous with your treasure. And by that, I mean, go out, have lunch with people. Go out and have coffee with people. Random people call you. What's 45 minutes for lunch? Your talent Take time to respond to emails with questions. Random people email me, I mean, like a lot. I mean, random lawyers. I mean, I may know them or I may not. And I never ignore them. I never ignore them. And with your treasure, buy lunch. This is one of my favorite. We got to, I mean, you know, I reach for for the check every time. Reach for the check. Reach for the check first. That's a woman thing we don't do very often. Reach for the check. Be generous. All right, so be aware of your reputation, be generous. Mary, I'm going to pass the ball to you. What would your big overarching piece of marketing advice be? Never say no. If somebody asks you to help out with something, help out. Just it, it, They're always going to be willing to work with you if it's a specific time or date or the parameters of the, the way you are going to help that person. They're going to let you help them. They're reaching out for help, so don't ever say no. All right. So, so when a, f- a friend needs help, you help them. Yep, absolutely. Right. Elizabeth, you have the shiniest, newest bar number, which means you probably have the least amount of marketing experience. But, but as someone who just came out, what would your advice be to someone who's starting law school or about to start their career? I think that my advice would be is to listen to people that have been doing this for a lot longer than you. <laughs> this is listen to our podcast. Honestly, I could listen to you guys talk about this for a very long time. This is one part of my job that I know that I don't know very much about, and I find it to be very daunting. So you have to learn from the people that know how to do it, and they can kind of show you the way and show you how to do these things. This won't surprise anyone. I'm also a little bit introverted. I don't like to be in huge social situations, but I think it's kind of a muscle. You have to work and it gets easier over time. So I think don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And we, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, we are going to drag you out to everything. So we will keep flexing that muscle. I can't wait. Well, as the other introverted Elizabeth, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely agree with you. And it is great when you have other people that you can I don't know, buddy system with when you have to go to these events. Find people who are going. But for the introverts out there, you know, in addition to, you know, doing presentations or something that you can prepare, I think other ways you can get your name out there is writing articles. Find a way to get into a journal. Get your, write something, write a blog. Do some sort of activity where maybe- Yeah, (laughs) everyone's got one. Hang out with your favorite friends and do a podcast during your work day. Or don't, just if you want to talk straight into a microphone by yourself in a room, I mean, you do you, boo, but just find, not everything needs to be going to a million happy hours and talking to people. You can find other ways to effectively market yourself. And really that might be your niche is the person that's, that's writing the really helpful blogs about new legal issues or, or whatever it is, or finding different organizations outside of legal organizations. If you, if you have some sort of route 
to other groups of professionals, whether it be in the financial sector or if you have friends who are in in the medical field, whatever you have, um, there are other ways of marketing other than what we think of classic happy hour networking, um, lunch type deals. And I think with that, we will wrap up. And so I hope this has been a helpful way to assist everyone, especially all the ladies in, you know, effectively building your career and your legal reputation. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can reach out to us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Cheers. 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 Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.